Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hit it! Clearly what we are witnessing is the American dream versus the American nightmare on the political landscape. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. to decide our fate and to choose freedom over oppression. Stop the tape. That is Maximo Alvarez. And I think of all the speakers at the Republican National Convention, this guy stood out to me. And there were some fabulous moments and some fabulous speakers uh, during the Republican National Convention. I think the McCloskeys, is that how you pronounce their name, out of St. Louis, uh, really drove home their point. And, of course, they're being vilified in the mainstream media because they happen to defend their property. And they happen to defend their property with this crazy thing called a firearm, which is protected in the United States Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, the fundamental foundation for this republic in Amendment Number 2, the framers of the Constitution established amendment number one and that's what i'm doing right now it's called freedom of speech and freedom of of religion the freedom to be able to practice your religion except in california and a couple other blue states that are now allowing you to go to church but they put the second amendment right there at number two firearms and the ability to defend yourself defend your family Defend your property, but also the just as important reason for Amendment Number Two, and that is to keep a government from going rogue. So we, the people, have an ability to fight back against a government that has reduced itself to anarchy and is violating constitutional and God-given rights. Sound familiar? Because that's what's happening right now in this republic. So it's a, a clear choice. And I think the Republican National Convention is delineating the choice pretty well. And by putting Maximo Alvarez front and center in the, the second hour of the uh, two-hour primetime coverage of the Republican National Convention, I think it says a lot about the Republican Party. It says a lot about the agenda for the Republican Party. But more than anything else, it says a lot about who we are and what we are as Americans. I mean, this guy, 
he came out no nonsense. He's not used to standing in front of a, a camera and reading off a teleprompter. That's exactly what he did. He wasn't exactly comfortable doing it, but he spoke from the heart. He spoke as a person born into oppression, but was able to escape that oppression and live his life, the majority of his life in America, under freedom, relative freedom, but under the freedom of the United States Constitution, that the Constitution of the United States prescribes for all its citizens. And as he told us, yes, he was born in Cuba under Fidel Castro, under a totalitarian regime, but of course now he's an American, and he considers himself 100% American. And so to have Maximo Alvarez out there front and center, near the, the end of an important night in the Republican National Convention, I think says a lot about what the party is trying to fulfill and the image that it's trying to put out there, but also paints a marvelous contrast between the Democrats and the Republicans. Think back during the Democrat National Convention. They trotted people out who had accents, who uh, had English as a second language, but it was done for another reason. It was done to show how America is so evil and show how America is so unfair and show how America must do more to help so-called oppressed people in this republic. And a lot of these people, yes, had heavy accents, just like Maximo, Mr. Alvarez. But the message was 180 degrees opposite. Their message was how bad America is and how fundamentally it must be changed by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and picking up where the fundamental transformation of Barack Obama left off. Mr. Alvarez's message was no. Nothing about that. Nothing about tearing down this country. Nothing about how bad America is. Only about the virtue of the United States. Only about how great it is for Mr. Alvarez to be in this country now and to fulfill his American dream. I don't even know what the guy does for a living. I think he's in petroleum. And he lives in uh, Miami. That's about all I know. And he emigrated here and his parents wanted him to come to America so that the only person who could tell him what to do and what to do with his life, the only person was Maximo Alvarez, the man himself. In other words... He and his family reject what Joe Biden and company want to foist upon the American people, and that is top-down government control, whether it is health care or the Green New Deal or taxation. Liberty is going to be compromised if Joe Biden is elected president of the United States. There's no doubt about it. And so what Maximo Alvarez was trying to convey to the American people was a fairly simple concept. That yes, America may have its flaws, but this is the greatest country on the planet and we need to keep it that way. And that there is only one person running of the two who understands this. And I think there was a, I felt a bond 
coming forth here between Mr. Alvarez and Donald Trump. There was some sort of connection you could just sense. Maybe it was the entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe it's just the red, white, and blue uh, coming out. But there's a connection between Mr. Alvarez, Maximo Alvarez, and Donald Trump. And apparently there's a great respect uh, by Mr. Alvarez for President Trump. And he made that really clear. But more than anything else, Mr. Alvarez said, hey, America is great. He didn't offer any suggestions to improve it. He didn't say, hey, we have to have health care for all, for us to be uh, a whole better nation. He didn't say, hey, we need to grow government and we need to redistribute wealth. He didn't criticize anybody in government. He didn't even criticize Nancy Pelosi. He was out there waving the American flag without waving it. And he said, effectively, that we live in the greatest country on the planet. And he'd like to keep it that way. And in order for us to do that, it is to reject all things totalitarian. And if anybody on the planet knows about an oppressive government, it's a gentleman who escaped Cuba. Or somebody who escapes, if they're lucky to, North Korea, or if somebody happens to get out of Venezuela. These people have a common thread. And, and you talk to the folks who fled the old Soviet Union, they'll tell you the same thing. All, and, and the former East Germany. All these people have a similar story. You people are so lucky in this country. And they are so lucky now to be in this country. And they appreciate the Constitution and our values and our foundation and our framers more than the vast majority of Americans appreciate it because they come from a different perspective. They come from a perspective that has been buffeted by oppression. And so they are the canaries in the coal mine. Maximo Alvarez is the, he is the anti-constitutional canary in the coal mine. He is the authoritarian government canary in the coal mine. He is the radicals in government canary in the coal mine. And he is singing right now for the American people. Of course, he too is subject to all kinds of ridicule in the mainstream media. Or they'll just completely ignore him. That's what they do. The mainstream media is one of their typical modus operandi is... If they don't cover it, it didn't happen. And so that's largely what they're going to do with Maximo Alvarez. But we saw it. Millions and millions of American people saw it. And it's now uh, being disseminated on YouTube and and other sources for future uh, Americans to see it. Hopefully between now and November 3rd. Maximo Alvarez's story is a story that we've seen time and time again from people who have come from oppressive backgrounds and oppressive governments, foreign countries who immigrate here to the United States and appreciate the freedoms and the values that this country offers. And they know a train coming down the tracks headed for this country when they see one. In other words, they can articulate and they can identify 
totalitarian forms of government when they see it. For example, Medicare for all. You know, Mr. Alvarez talked about all these wonderful promises from Fidel Castro. You're going to have a great society. Everybody's going to have health care. Well, I'm sure it doesn't take a heck of a lot for all of us to dig into the health care system in Cuba. I've done a little bit of digging. It's deplorable. It's If you are ill in Cuba uh, 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 of any degree and you, you have a need to go to the hospital, you're taking your life in your hands. Not only is it not clean, but they're understaffed and undereducated and they don't have the, the right kind of medicines to treat half the illnesses of the people in there. If you go to the hospital in Cuba, there may be a decent chance you don't come out. And that's the way it is. That's one of the promises of Fidel Castro. And so Mr. Alvarez sees these empty promises from the Marxist socialist uh, Fidel Castro in Cuba, and he sees the similar scenes unfolding here from radicals and Marxist socialists in our government right now. And so it's a, it's a huge contrast. And so Mr. Alvarez speaks for the American dream. And Mr. Alvarez is warning us that the American nightmare is right around the corner if the American people don't choose wisely. Roll tape. President Trump, he's fighting the forces of anarchy and communism. Stop the tape. Now, that can be interpreted a couple different ways, right? That President Trump is fighting the forces of, of anarchy and communism. He's certainly doing it on a global scale, right? Um, he certainly has rekindled the American spirit on the international stage, and America is now leading again instead of following from behind as we did under Barack Obama. And so, in that sense, the 45th president is promoting freedom and liberty and fighting anarchy and communism on a global scale. But I think in this case... What Mr. Alvarez was referring to here was domestic anarchy and communism. Anarchy. Anarchy in the streets of this country that we're seeing in Portland and we're seeing in Wisconsin right now. Uh, anarchy in government where we see a Democrat-led House of Representatives proffer bill after bill after bill designed to grow government and crush the constitutional rights of Americans. Communism. Marxist socialism is communism, and there's been the slow creep of communism in this country for decades now. And the canary in the coal mine, Mr. Alvarez, is singing right now, saying, hey, we need to stop it. We need to reduce the size of government. We need to reduce the burden of taxes. We need to stop all of these bills and all these layers of government. We need to deregulate and reduce the burden on the American people so people can live the American dream. Can't do it with all this layers and layers of government. You know how hard it is to open up a restaurant right now, especially in a blue state, but even in a red state? There are layers and layers of uh, red tape to have to handle. And of course, the mainstream media is looking at the Republican convention and they're writing headlines like this one. 
GOP convention, this is out of Associated Press, GOP convention showcases rising stars' dark warnings. A rising generation of Republican stars offered an optimistic view of President Trump's leadership, but were undermined of the GOP scale-back convention by speakers issuing dark warnings about the country's future and distorting the president's record, particularly on the pandemic. Now, there's, <laughs> that is supposedly journalism. <laughs> that is supposedly optim- uh, not optimistic, but uh, middle of the road, not taking sides, objective journalism. Speakers issuing dark warnings about the country's future and distorting the president's record. Dark warnings about the country's future? Just look at the playbook of Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. There's your future. If that's not dark, I don't know what is. And distorting the president's record on the pandemic? No. They simply said Donald Trump answered the bell. And and Donald Trump made some decisions early on, whether you agree with them or not, to cut off immigration from China and cut off any travel from China and then cut off any travel from Europe as well. Set the tone, certainly for the rest of the world, to follow in terms of its reaction to COVID-19. But he didn't shut down the economy. The president didn't shut down the economy. Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo and J.B. Pritzker and Wolf in Pennsylvania and Whitmer in Michigan, those people shut down the economy. The President of the United States came up with millions and millions of masks and said, here you go, Cuomo and Newsom and Pritzker. And then when they screened for ventilators, the President of the United States came up with hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of ventilators to the point where we had a a surplus of ventilators. The President of the United States in terms of the reaction to the pandemic, so-called, has done everything a president can do in a federalist system where we have devolved powers to the state. The governors control the hospitals in their respective states. The president doesn't. The governors control the doctors in their respective states. The president doesn't. The governors control how many hospital beds are in those hospitals, not the president of the United States. So distorting the record, the record is what it is. And the president has done all he can. But when we look at this contrast and when Mr. Alvarez talks about anarchy, he's also talking about what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, right? And here it is another example of a phony reaction to a phony incident involving police. And as the facts come out, there's more and more evidence that this officer-involved shooting was justified, that the, the suspect didn't comply with police officers. Imagine that. How many times have we said this now? You don't comply with police officers. Bad things happen. All this is is another excuse to have rioting in the streets, anarchy in the streets, promote the Marxist socialist organization called Black Lives Matter in order to foment unrest as we lead up to the November 3rd election so that these people who are in government now can kind of relive what they 
started as when they were kids in the 1960s and early 1970s, a la anti-Nixon stuff, right? That's all they're doing. They're just replicating the model that they built in the late 60s and 1970s, trying to foment unrest in the streets of the United States so that the American people say, oh, oh, look, look, the president's responsible for this. We're going to have to vote him out of office. Well, it didn't work in 1972 with Nixon, and I don't think it's going to work in 2020 during this election cycle either. But we have this underlying current in this country that is necessarily affecting what's going on as we lead up to November 3rd and, and this election cycle, and it's COVID-19. Fascinating facts are coming out about this, and it all ties to Mr. Alvarez in terms of anarchy versus freedom. The response to COVID-19 overall has been deplorable. The government response has been designed to cause harm, not protect the American people. This story out of Market Watch, the headline, Sweden developed herd immunity. Stop. Sweden has developed herd immunity. This is the country that I said way back in March I was watching because Sweden did not issue the draconian shutdown orders that the United States and other countries did. Sweden let people go to work. Sweden let kids go to school. Sweden let people live their lives. They protected the vulnerable. They protected the elderly. In some cases, they wanted you to wear a mask, I think during uh, mass transit uh, commute times. But overall, they said, no, live your lives. We're going to develop herd immunity. Now, remember... Sweden is a country of about 10 million people. Remember that number, 10 million people. So Sweden developed herd immunity after refusing to lock down some health experts now claim, while others point to its high fatality rate. Okay, so Sweden, being a country of approximately 10 million people, has now developed herd immunity, and its death per 100,000 rate, I think, is about 57. Sweden's overall COVID-related death rate is 57 per 100,000, okay? So it's a country of 10 million people. Let's do an apples and apples comparison. In this country, we have a county called Los Angeles, and Los Angeles County has a population of roughly 10 million people, and its death per 100,000 rate is 55. Deaths per 100,000 is 55. Overall, L.A. County has had more than 5,500 deaths by COVID. In Sweden, overall, they've had about 5,700 deaths by COVID. So what does this tell you? What does this tell you, ladies and gentlemen, about Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles' grand plan to shut things down Clamp things down, stop businesses, stop people from going work, ordering people to be under house arrest, ordering people to wear a mask inside and outside, ordering people not to go to church, ordering people to stay off the beach, ordering people to to shut down their gyms and not work out and stay healthy indoors. What does this mean when we have an apples and apples comparison in one society that shut itself down? Los Angeles County, 
one of the most harsh reactions in the country, in the world, to COVID-19. One of the hardest clampdowns on the planet. And then you have this country over here, roughly the same size in population, with the same mortality rate as the county in California that had the draconian response to COVID-19. What does this tell you, California residents? Are you paying attention to this? Are you paying attention to the overall global numbers? This barely meets the definition of pandemic. 23 million cases? (laughs) I laugh because last I checked, the population of the planet is 6 or 7 billion people. 23 million cases. And how many deaths? A little over 800,000. A little over 800,000 dead over a six-month period, globally speaking. I think 150,000 people die on the planet every day. Think about that. 150,000 people die on the planet every day. The overall deaths of COVID-19 for a six-month period is 800,000 plus slightly. That's a pandemic. That's something that we need to shut down the world for. And somebody asked me the other day, well, you say that America overreacted. Why did uh, Europe and, and why did other parts of the world react the way? Well, as America goes, so goes the rest of the world. And this is what is very concerning to me about, as, about the election cycle and, and overall politically what we're seeing in California. Here's uh, your buddy, uh, Gavin Newsom, with his latest update for the People's Republic of California and when he's going to reopen. We all know when he's going to reopen. He's going to reopen when Donald Trump is defeated, right? He's going to reopen after the election. Frankly, win or lose. Whether Donald Trump wins or loses, California is suddenly going to be free again, relatively free, because they will have done their deed. And that has crushed the economy in order to harm the re-election chances of Donald Trump. After the election, there's really no point in continuing this farce. But here's Gavin Newsom. What, fewer than 70 days to go before the election? Cheerleading that COVID thing. Roll tape. Today, you see there are 35 counties on our monitoring list. Stop the tape. This is killing me, by the way. He's got a watch list. There are 58 counties in California. He's got 35 on his watch list, only because a couple of counties dropped off. It's so arbitrary. What are the parameters? Well, they have to have a 14-day this, and they have to have certain amount of uh, percentages of this. It's completely arbitrary. It's not based on science. It's not even pseudoscience. I saw an article saying the whole COVID-19 response is based on pseudoscience. It's not even pseudoscience. It is 100% politically driven. Gavin Newsom does not have the power to stop the spread of a virus. If he did have the power to stop the spread of the virus, then on June 18th, When he issued his mandatory mask order, we would have seen a drop in cases or at least a leveling out of cases, certainly within 30 days, wouldn't you imagine? June 18th, the number of cases 
being reported per day was around 4,000. By mid-July, it was nearing 10,000. 10,000. This is more than a month after his unilateral edict that everybody in California outside has to wear a mask. So why didn't the numbers go down? Why did they double, Gavin? Why did they continue to increase? And only now we're seeing a bit of a fluctuation down. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's relatively simple. It's called a virus. (laughs) And masks do nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. They don't. You can do your own research. I'm tired of beating this drum. Just go on the CDC website, the 2018 study. I found it. You can find it. That's just one reason. But there's scientific reasons um, that I could talk about all day about why you should not be wearing a mask during the course of your work day or when you're outside, etc., etc. But more than anything else, there are constitutional reasons that really bother me. People of California, again, people of Pennsylvania, people of New Jersey and Michigan and these other states, Illinois, that are being hammered by these blue state governors that are following the footsteps of Gavin Newsom. Look at reality. Look at the numbers. Think about it. Does mankind really have the ability to mitigate the spread of a virus? The answer is no. We do our best to combat it. Wash your hands and drink plenty of liquid, get plenty of sleep, right? That's part of the formula. Stay healthy. How in the hell are you supposed to stay healthy in California if you can't go work out? Some places right now, the thermometer is over 120 degrees in California. Go ahead and work out outside. (laughs) Just walking in that heat uh, is a workout. And so this is the farce. But we're paying the price. This country is paying the price for this farce. This out of Zero Hedge, one of my favorite websites, Zero Hedge, mortgage delinquencies soar to a decade high. About a decade ago, we had another recession. This was the Barack Obama recession, the Barack Obama-Joe Biden recession, when the mortgage delinquencies began to soar. Well, what do you expect is going to happen when we shut down half of the country and people don't work and they rely on a government check? You're going to have more mortgage delinquencies. More bad news out of Zero Hedge. This headline, American Airlines warns the administration keep bailing us out or at least 19,000 more jobs will be gone. In this article, American Airlines is pointing out that based on its current demand levels, American now plans to fly less than 50% of the airline in the fourth quarter. Now remember, the fourth quarter is typically a busy time, right? Going to see Grandma, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah. 50% in the fourth quarter with long-haul international particularly reduced to only 25% of 2019 levels. This is cataclysmic. This is the result of Newsom and Cuomo and Pritzker and Murphy and Wolf and Whitmer and company. Sisolak, Inslee and company. We're not out of the woods, ladies and gentlemen. 
And if Joe Biden happens to squeak in there and is elected president, this economic calamity is going to continue into 2021. There's no doubt about it. And so the American people have a choice. Do they want Joe Biden at the helm as this country tries to get the the heck out of this morass, this economic morass that we're in? Or do they want Donald Trump, who presided over a pretty damn good economy about a year ago, about nine months ago? It seems like nine years ago, doesn't it? The economy was looking pretty solid, wasn't it? And the, the stock market's recovered nicely. The stock market kind of marches to the beat of its own drum. It's a, a future economic indicator, if you will. But the stock market's looking very robust now. And hopefully this is a future indicator of good things in this country. But it's not going to happen as long as Gavin Newsom has his watch list of 35 counties. It's not going to happen as long as Andrew Cuomo keeps his well-shined shoe on the throat of the economy of New York and de Blasio, same thing in the city of New York. There's no reason to have any kind of shutdown whatsoever anymore in the Empire State, particularly in the Big Apple, because herd immunity has been established in New York City. Herd immunity in the little microcosm in the various boroughs of, of New York City has been established, and that's why the numbers have plummeted. It's not because of anything Andrew Cuomo did, and it's certainly not anything because of what de Blasio did. It's the natural course of a virus that happened to sweep through New York and New York City at a rapid pace because of, well, the inaction, frankly, of the political leadership in that state and in that city. So this is the stark contrast. Do we want these airlines about to fold? Do we want these airlines at 50% or 25% capacity? Do we want these airlines to say, hey, we're going to have to lay off another 20,000 workers? Are you kidding me? Do we want the federal government and Mitch McConnell to come out and say, well, we need to we need to help some of these people now. We need another $600 or $400 a month. Where are we getting this money? It's being printed. This money doesn't exist. We're at $27 trillion on the national debt. $27 trillion if Joe Biden is elected president. I predict would be, after four years, would it be at least $35 trillion. And then what? Then the wheels are off. Then the wheels are off. And at some point, economics, the laws of economics will trump the laws of politics. And so this is it. This is what Maximo Alvarez was alluding to in his speech, the the stark choice that the American people have this election cycle. And during these last 70 or so days between now and the election, here's the question. Does President Trump go back on the campaign trail and campaign the way he did so effectively in 2016 and it was so much fun too right it was fun to watch as he would pull up in his trump plane and campaign in in various locations in the crowd and having fun whether it was in alabama or in florida or in wisconsin or what have you it was wonderful to watch but it's gone now because of pressures not because of anything um medically or scientifically proven 
No, it's gone because of political pressures. So here's the ledger register for this week. Should President Trump hold in-person campaign rallies? Go to GrahamLedger.com. GrahamLedger.com, and you can answer that question. Should President Trump hold in-person campaign rallies? Or you can go to Zip app. If you don't have it on your phone, you can grab it, download it, put it on your phone. The Zip app, put Ledger, L-E-D-G-E-R, in the quick code box, and you can answer that question. Because as Maximo Alvarez made it perfectly clear, the choice is, is pretty obvious for the American people. And that is liberty versus tyranny. Or as Maximo Alvarez uh, put it, freedom versus oppression. He left oppression. He knows oppression when he sees it. And he's seeing it now from the modern Democrat Party. And so Maximo Alvarez underscores our choice as Americans as we hurdle toward the November election. And that is the American dream versus the American nightmare. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right.